It's been a long and harrowing winter. And life has gotten in the way. We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. We're dealing with a lot of sh But patience has persevered. The snow has thawed. And finally, spring has run. Swinging a high fly, deep left field. Way back, it is gone. Welcome back, Keston Nahira, a three-run home run. This is the Brewers Spring Training Special. Now, runner trying to get to third. Here's the throw from Garcia. It's on the bag and in time. Back at the track, he looks up. That ball's gone. That ball got up in the jet stream and got way out of here off the bat of Aviseo Garcia. Now, here is your host, Matt Pauley. What an hour we have lined up for you as we continue with our Brewers Spring Training Special. Corbin Burns in about 15 minutes. Kested here about 15 minutes after that. Brent Suter to wrap up the hour. But as we get things going, let's bring in the skipper of the Brewers, manager Craig Council, joins us here on the program. Craig, let's jump right in. And after a year where you played with no fans last year, you've at least had limited fans here in spring training. You'll get some fans uh, at the start of the, the regular season. But in terms of just playing some of these Cactus League games, how nice is it to actually have fans in the stands and not be playing in an empty stadium situation? It's, it's a great feeling. We walked out uh, to the first game on Sunday at, at the, the White Sox Park. There's a tunnel you walk through, and as you kind of came out into it, just a noticeable difference of... You know, people provide energy. People create energy. Uh, it felt like a ballpark. There's vendors. You hear vendors. Uh, that's just part of the sounds of a baseball stadium. And so to have that back felt very, very good. How much do you think, and I asked uh, David this earlier, how much can you quantify the impact on the game last season that not having fans there had on it? No, you can't. You can't. That what. We want to quantify everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe me, that's the that's the world we, that certainly we, a lot of us live in now. We can't quantify everything, and this is one of those things. No, you can't. It's um, it's 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 a it's an emotional part of the game. That's what it is. It's how it makes you feel. Um, it's how community makes you feel. That's what that's what forty thousand people in a baseball stadium is. It's community. Uh, so. We'll never be able to quantify that. Uh, maybe people will try, uh, but it's it's an emotional aspect to it. It's, it's how it makes you feel. Um, it, it's what gives you joy. It's providing enjoyment. Um, so those are always going to be hard things to measure. You've talked about the fact that you can't let down in terms of responding and reacting and dealing with COVID as we're still right in the middle of the pandemic. That being said, fans are around. It seems like things are maybe a little bit looser do does it start to feel somewhat normal even though we're still living through a pandemic what's normal is that we're we're used to the a different way of living i think so it's not and and there's also less uncertainty on the horizon it feels like so that's what's i think created um you know a sense of normalcy and a sense of um all right we can get through this you know, mentality, um, not knowing what's going to happen the next day, that feeling that we had kind of all last year, 
um, is, is difficult for everybody. Uh, you know, these these are all just human nature. How how we how we all react to things. So I think we're all in a better place for that. Um, I mean, the best example is just mask wearing is doesn't feel abnormal now. It, it you know you're we know we're expected to do it. Uh, we've lived with it for a while. It's 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 okay. And um, this this season and this team, you're you're hoping for a lot of bounce backs. That's a that's a big part of this year. Guys performing better than they did last year. We've talked at, at, at on deck events previously, and you've said you know every year there's going to be somebody who takes a, a big step forward and somebody who kind of doesn't play as well as you would like to expect. How do you how do you manage if you can manage when you've got so many guys that you are expecting or hoping that they are able to take that step back forward? It exists on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, from our pitching perspective, uh, we probably had a lot of guys that, that performed exceptionally well, but it definitely exists on the offensive side of it. Um, look, I, I think what we try to do is we try to learn from last year, uh, and take that experience, and to, to to make us a little bit better. Um, and from the, from the hitter's perspective, too, they try to take that experience and understand mistakes that they might have made or um, habits they got into uh, and, and try to not go to, not go to those places. So it, it, it's experience that's helpful. Um, and then, you know, the reason we say it is, is specifically is this guy's have a, a track record of success. It's, it's hard to get into the league and stay in this league and do great things. Um, with you know, without some bounce back, there's going to be variation in performance by players. That that's that's how, how it works. But um, good players, guys that have been in the league in a while, that they figure out a way to make adjustments. And we they, we don't always get to pick the timing of when that happens. Uh, in the 60 game season last year, unfortunately, a lot of guys just didn't get time to bounce back to who they were, um, and so there was no first half, second half bounce backs. It was we didn't even finish the first half, yeah. uh, so that's that's how we're that's why we're counting on it. And I think uh, it's not play. We're not counting on players, you know. In, in most most cases, that haven't performed for a pretty good stretch of time in the big leagues. Specifically to Christian Yelich, he has said that he can identify some things from last year that didn't go oh, right. Oh. He hasn't really wanted to talk openly about that, but. Just the importance of you can't fix an issue if you don't know what the issue was. How important is it that he has kind of a, a grasp on, on what did happen last year? You have to have a plan to, to uh, you know, going ahead, and you have to have a goal with that. And you have to, so I think that's what, that's what Christian's done, and that's what we've done with a lot of our hitters, is kind of discuss what went wrong um, and then provide some, some goals um, to achieve as we go and, and also some some ways that we can give feedback on on achieving those goals. So that that's how we've approached it. I mean, Christian has a you know for Christian, it's it's different. It's a little bit different for every hitter and how we go th- how how this process happens. These guys kind of bounce back, but it's you know it, we're basically trying to get guys in, in a place where their bodies are moving really efficiently, and that that gives them you know great ability to make decisions on balls and strikes and, and fire on the good pitches to hit. That doesn't change for, for anybody, and that doesn't change for a guy like Christian Yellich. Brewers manager Craig Council continuing to join us. You've talked a lot about going from playing 60 games to 162 games and the impact on pitchers. 
How much of the plan is put together in terms of what you're going to do with guys this year to try to find them an opportunity to, to maybe get some rest in the year so you don't push them too much? What we've done really is just, like, look at possibilities. Uh, I don't think there's any – we know that we're going to have to uh, provide rest for all of our pitchers or provide spots for all of our pitchers. It just makes sense to um, – how it actually happens – I think you get if you we don't want to get locked into it. I think is what so you, you just provide. You know we have roadmaps. We look at the schedule, uh, ideas that we, we know we can put into action. But but putting them into stone right now is not what we want to do. I think every team has to just get a sense of what we're going to all be learning. This is a first time thing for everybody. We're all going to be learning about this the whole industry as we go. Um, we just have to be you just have to be ready for when it happens because it's going to happen with some guys some guys are going to hit a wall and we just have to be ready for it are those tough tough conversations just in the sense a guy doesn't reach the big leagues without being an incredible competitor and there's times not just this year you've done it with other guys where you have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit are those tough conversations to have with guys when they want to take the ball every fifth day or play every single day whatever it might be well, this year, this year, what's important from a pitching perspective is we just have to be very transparent with each other, and I think we're asking the players of that too. Is just to be very, just open with how they're feeling. Um, it's it's for their benefit in this case. Um, you know, look, is every decision about removal from a game or not playing going to be agreed upon? Absolutely not. It, it, they shouldn't be. That's 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 perfectly fine. But. Um, in this case, uh, we're, we're, this is these are long kind of long term decisions a little bit. And I'm trying to keep players healthy for the long term, um, and and make them effective through the course of 162. Just as importantly, make them effective through 162 games. So, you know, I think there's gonna be, there's going to be some cases where there's this is going to be a normal season for guys, and we don't we, we don't make any changes. But there's also going to be some cases where. Um, you know, the innings load uh, takes an impact, and we're going to have to take a break. Uh, so as long as we're transparent, as where communication becomes very important, um, I, I think we can, you know, lean towards doing it right. I don't think we'll ever have answers on who was right and who was wrong after we get through the season. You know, the team that wins is going to be considered they did it right. <laughs> you know, so that, that's usually how it gets judged. Uh, before we get you out of here, just going back to, to the off season, where we still don't totally 100% know what the rules are going to be, but a lot of discussions about the off season on the DH. At one point, there was talk about trying to move the season back a little bit. They're now going to move the uh, AAA season back a little bit. We're hearing, what's it like for you as you go through this? And it seems like every week there's new ideas or new rules, whatever it might be, thrown out. Where you really There's a lot of uncertainty about what things were going to look like and still are going to look like. I will tell you that part of it is not ideal. I, I think we can do a better job as an industry. Of, we, we should know what the rules are going into the season right now. But there should be no doubt about it, what, what's going to happen. Uh, I think everybody understands late rule changes last year um, as, as so much uncertainty was going on. Um, but this year, and, and, and you know, to be honest, to be fair, there are rules in place right now. Um, you know, the DH is not in the National There is no DH in the National League. We don't. Uh, so the, there are rules in place. 
Um, and those are the rules that we are preparing our team for. Uh, so that, that's what we prepare our team for. If, if something changes, you know, we, we all, we have our, you know, eye on that a little bit, but we're preparing for the rules as, as stated. I think that's the only way you can do it. Greg, thanks so much for your time. We'll see you in Milwaukee here in a few weeks. All right. Thank you, Matt. Manager Craig Council joining us here on our Brewers Spring Training Special. I agree with what he just said about the frustration of not knowing what the rules are going to be. To me, I feel like we're at a point I would be shocked if a universal DH was added this late. I'd be shocked if the expanded playoff was added this late. But is it 100% that those things might not happen? No, not 100%. There could be some late conversations right before the season gets started and something could potentially be worked out. We talked with Brandon Woodruff last hour. He and Corbin Burns, 1A, 1B in the rotation. You can put the letter designation to whichever guy you would like to. But uh, the other half of that top of the rotation, Corbin Burns, he joins us next. Stay tuned. Our Brewers Spring Training Special will be right back. The interviews continue. This is Brewers Spring Training Special. So much to get to before this hour gets done. Conversations still coming up with Keston Hira and Brent Suter. And then our final hour at 8 o'clock, we are going to be joined. Uh, Colton Wong, Travis Shaw, Garrett Mitchell, all three of those guys are set to join us. If you want to chime in on anything that we're talking about, feel free to uh, text in on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. We'll find some time to answer some text throughout the course of the program. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Let's continue to talk Brewers pitching as we're very happy to uh, welcome onto the program Brewers pitcher Corbin Burns. Corbin, how are you doing? Thank you. Yes, I'm doing good. Uh, this is a question you've answered a lot since spring training is getting underway, but I'll, I'll be another one to ask it. Uh, from a health standpoint, how are you feeling coming off of being a little bit banged up at the end of last season? Good. good. Everything's good. Um, I was able to... Uh, to get rehab pretty quickly after the season ended, um, you know, took took about a week or ten days off, and uh, was right back in here in the complex working on the uh, the oblique and you know getting everything you know body wise in, in the ship wanted to be. So it's good. After the incredible season you had, what was the frustration level when when you get hurt at that point in the season? Yeah, you know it's tough. You know the the goal of every season is to to you know be healthy opening day and to be healthy on the last game of the year. So. Um, you know, to, to go down in the last start and not be able to help out the team in the postseason is definitely tough. But, uh, you know, we were fortunate. We had a, had a lot of good arms in the postseason, a pretty good spot. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, we came a little bit short. But, yeah, definitely a little frustrating. Uh, having that last start of the year, you cut short, not be able to pitch the postseason. This time last year, it was for you, looking back at the last season, I know you spent all of last offseason kind of diagnosing what went wrong and trying to correct it. Now it's a very different feeling this year because it's more about taking what you did last year and building upon it. Just from your perspective, how does that feel and how does that look different from last spring to this spring? Actually not too different. Um, you know, I kind of approached this offseason uh, the same that I did the previous uh, offseason. Um, you know, kind of the main focus was, was working again on the mental side of the game. Um, you know, they obviously getting healthy with the oblique, but then uh, just getting the body right and getting the mind right. Um, so for me, coming into spring, it's 
coming out and attacking and attacking the spring like I did last year, just going out and trying to earn a spot. Um, obviously, a little different place this year than I was last year, but uh, for me, I, I get the most out of myself and out of, out of my game when I go out there uh, trying to compete, trying to show what I got. There's been so much focus on the pitching lab in Arizona and how you were able to use the tools that the organization has to help you. Even coming off a year like last year, are you still able to use those tools to even refine even more what you were doing last year? Yeah, so that's, that's something that um, you know, guys that train out here are able to record that we still have some access to. Um, obviously, it was a little bit different this year with COVID because you can only have so many, you know, so many guys in the complex at a time. But um, yeah, it's definitely something. You know, weeks leading up to spring training, that is something that we do have access to. How nice is it? I mean, it's it's not normal. We're still in a pandemic, uh, but there are there's more normal type things. There's some fans in the stands. We now know that uh, when the season opens at home, there's going to be fans uh, in Milwaukee. How nice is it to have at least a little bit more normalcy compared to last year? It's going to be awesome. You know, it's something that we really missed uh, as players last year was having fans in the stand. Um, you know, part of our job is is entertainment. That's something that we like to like to have people there to watch and entertain the fans. So. Um, having a couple thousand people in the stands the other day when I threw at uh, uh, Talking Stick was great. And, you know, with the news this morning that we're going to get 25%, it's, you know, it's even better. And hopefully as things improve over the course of the season, we get to, you know, fill the stadium more and more. And hopefully more. coming down to August, September, that, you know, pushes and push, we're able to pack that stadium out and get that home field advantage. But you know, we're definitely excited to, to see those Brewer fans back in the stands. Every pitcher in baseball is dealing with what I'm about to ask you, but just the idea of going from a 60-game season to a 162-game season, it, it's generally there can be a level of danger. Or, you know, Health can be impacted by throwing certain more pitches going from one year to, to the next year. What have those conversations been like between you and Craig Council and others in the organization about how you manage your health in a year where you're going from 60 to 162? Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the biggest challenge this year um, as a pitching staff. Is how do you get through the season with everyone healthy and having to cover all those innings? Uh, you know, that's something that's kind of been discussed all off season. I think it's going to be kind of left up to a to a player, you know, player to player basis of how we're kind of feeling. Um, you know, the, the emphasis early on in camp is you know communicate, you got to communicate how your body's feeling, how your arms feeling. Um, you know, that's something that we're going to have to carry throughout the season is. You know, come June, July, you know, how you feel, how's how's the yard? Uh, so it's definitely going to be one of those challenges that I think everyone across the league is going to face, and it's, it's definitely new territory going from you know, 60 to 162, and basically 10 starts to maybe 30 plus. So it's definitely going to be going to be a challenge and something that uh, the biggest thing to overcome that's going to be communication. You're a competitor. You want to take the ball every fifth day. You don't want to worry about that other stuff, but has it been a challenge for you, or is it a, is it a continuing process of being able to listen to your body and know, okay, i gotta, I got to pull back a little bit for the good of the long-term me? Yeah, so when I go out and make a start, you know, that's that's not going to be obviously the forefront of my mind. But when I'm going out there, my, you know, my priorities go out and attack and you know, get as many outs as I can. But um, you know, as far as preparation during the week, um, you know, trying to limit throws, you know, work on recovery, work on health is definitely going to be, you know, the top priority in between starts so that when I go out there, there's no, you know, there's no doubting how I'm feeling, you know, how many innings I go, it's going to go out there and get what I got for as long as I can. So the, the preparation and the recovery leading up to every start is going to be more important this year. You and Brandon kind of headline the rotation, but there, there's a lot of guys who are going to get starts this year. 
Lauer and Lindblom and Hauser and, and Zimmerman's in the mix and Peralta and, and Suter. Like we can go on and on. How how good do you think this rotation can be? I think it can be really good. Um, that's something kind of something that we talk about every offseason. There's not just five starters are going to make starts. You know, you're going to have six, seven, maybe even eight guys make starts this year. So that's something that, as a pitching staff as a whole, we're constantly trying to push each other to uh, to get better. We know that we're going to be at our best when we're healthy and we're out there with you know, good you know, in-house competition. So um, that's kind of been the focus on some of the meetings we had in camp is you know how can we get the most out of each other, how can we push each other, um, but you know, most importantly stay healthy and um, go out there and you know, prove what we've got as a very good pitching staff for this, uh, this team this year. Corbin, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you in Milwaukee here in a few weeks. Awesome. Thank you. Corbin Bird joining us here on our Brewers Spring Training Special. He was such a great story last year. And one of the things that frustrates me is when fans want to throw guys away because of one bad season. And especially when development is still continuing on. You hear you hear baseball managers and coaches and or organizational leaders say all the time. It's it's kind of cliche that Development doesn't stop once you get to the big leagues. And it doesn't. It's a cliche, but most cliches are cliches for a reason. Because they're true more often than not. And he was someone who was still developing. And he he got to the big leagues early on and had that great success at the uh, with the club uh, in that first season when he was able to uh, put together really good numbers. And then he got that chance to go out and be a starter and it it just didn't work and there were a lot of people before last year that didn't want to see the brewers counting on burns that didn't that just didn't think much of him and thought that who he showed to be the year before was who he was going to be and i never i'm somebody that like these guys become prospects for a reason that's one of the reasons and not to get off track but that's one of the reasons i am incredibly intrigued with daniel robertson because he came up as a prospect. Now, does every prospect hit at the big league level? No. There are, there are many, many, many guys that it never pans out. But there's still a reason that they are thought of as highly as they are as they're coming up through the minor leagues. And you can you can certainly apply that to Corbin Burns. So he had he had the rough year. And they they sent him to the lab in Arizona, and they worked on a lot of things, and it resulted in him coming back last season and putting together one heck of a year. And I'm excited. One of the first questions I asked him was the difference between last spring and this spring, where last year it was about identifying what went wrong and fixing it, whereas this year it's looking at what went right last year and advancing it. And watching that potential advancement, because this is a guy who is still relatively young. And last year was the breakthrough year for him. How does he respond to that breakthrough? We talked about with Craig Council earlier. We're going to talk a lot about bounce backs this year. From a hitter standpoint, that's maybe the number one narrative about this Brewers team. Needing the bounce backs from so many players, whether it's Christian Yelich. Whether it's Omar Nervais, Lorenzo Cain for other reasons because he didn't play, Travis Shaw kind of in a way because the last time he was a Brewer, he's trying to bounce back from that. Although his numbers with Toronto last year uh, weren't bad, Avisiel Garcia, Keston Hira to a certain extent. But from a pitching standpoint, the narrative is the advancement of what you did last year, 
and I'm just I'm excited. I'm I'm intrigued to see what kind of next step forward Burns is able to make after a really, really good year last year. Keston here I had a lot of things change recently. The Brewers signed Colton Wong and Hey Keston, can you go play first base for us? Can you do that? Will that work out? They would it would help us out, it'd be solid. What does Keston Hira think about uh, that move and how excited is he to be uh, part of uh, this team and be part of a new-look infield? We'll talk with him coming up next. More Brewers Spring Training Special continues after this. You're listening to Brewers Spring Training Special. The makeup of the Brewers infield completely changed when the team signed Colton Wong. Up the middle got that much better. Wong is a gold glove second baseman, and we're going to talk to uh, Colton coming up uh, next hour. But one of the dominoes that got pushed over with the acquisition of Colton Wong was moving Keston Hira over to first base, a position that he hadn't played. Uh, and something that he is continuing to work on here during the course of spring. But it got a pretty solid bat over to first. It got really solid defense and a nice bat at second. It, it shored up the lineup with Wong, especially not only what he does offensively, but also what he doesn't do offensively in the sense that he doesn't uh, strike out. But certainly pieces were moving. It does seem that way. It seems more often than not, there's the convi- the Brewers make the conventional moves, But they make the unconventional moves. And the unconventional moves are ones like this, where this signing, this acquisition, results in other things being moved around. So with all that being said, Keston Hira moving from uh, second base to first base. That doesn't mean he's never going to play second base again, but uh, the the base lineup for the Brewers this year will have him over at uh, first base. Let's uh, bring Keston on to the program. Keston, thanks so much for uh, taking some time with us. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to be able to uh, to get you on. Let's start with obviously something that you uh, you continue to talk about throughout the course of spring training. How do you feel like things are going over at first base? Yeah, I mean, so far so good. Um, you know, it's been two, three weeks now over there, and um, it was able to get a lot of the basics down, figure out, uh, you know, what to do with the ball, you know, where to be in, in certain spots uh, when the ball's hit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, still learning a lot. Uh, you know, the, the coaching staff and a lot of the players are doing a really good job of uh, making that adjustment really easy, that transition easy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately – uh, you know, getting into games, uh, experiencing game-like scenarios, that's when you know, I'm going to be able to win the best. Take me through the timeline, because obviously the acquisition of, of Colton Wong uh, was largely the reason that you move over to first base. How? When did they first approach you about playing first? Was it before uh, it got out that Wong was going to be coming? Just, just take me through that timeline. Well, yeah, it was probably about a week before um, the signing of Colton. Um, Council gave me a call, just gave me a heads up, saying, hey, um, you know, we might make a signing. I don't know who we're signing, you know, what, what the situation is. Uh, you know, I think at that time they're kind of going at, looking at multiple guys and um, just in case any scenario came up and they said there's a possibility of you moving over to first base. Um, you know, just, you know, just during the season, it doesn't mean you're not going to be playing second base or anything like that. So I uh, just want to give you a heads up in mind in case you see something or uh, you just don't want to blindside you out of nowhere. And then, 
a few days later, you know, they said, oh, okay, we're signing Colton. So, uh, so yeah, you, you'd be moving over to first base. So it was about a week before uh, they announced the signing, I believe. What I'm most interested to watch with you, to be perfectly honest with you, is you have the range of an infielder, so you've got more range than a normal first baseman. There's going to be ground balls that you can get to, but maybe you shouldn't get to. Instead, you should head back to first, and you should let the second baseman have it. Has that part of playing first base been a challenge to get that sense of what you need to pursue and what you need to not? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, especially you know, being a middle infielder, your first instinct is you know, that first step. Um, you know, getting as much ground as you can off the bat. You know, being able to read the bat angle. Um, you know, what type of pitch is coming in, and you're expecting. Um, you know, where the ball is going to go. Um, versus, you know, first base. Uh, you know, you have now you have a Gold Glover at second base behind you. Um, you know, and obviously he has a, a tremendous range as well. So uh, it's definitely you know learning his range, um, learning my range at that place. Um, yeah, I know the first game that, you know, it was a good ground ball where it was to the right of me and, um, you know, I took a pretty hard step right at first when I go shoot, you know, this isn't me. And I, I booked it over first base and, you know, we got the out. So, uh, no, I mean, everything's been good so far. Because, yeah, it's just, I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, getting game time reps and, uh, understanding the position that he's in, you know, whether he's playing in shallow right field or he's playing behind second base or, um, you know, the different positionings of, you know, different players. So, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the spring, you know, I'll have a pretty good feeling of uh, my so-called range, you know, I guess at first base. There are times where maybe somebody is changing a position and there's so much focus on defense, seemingly it takes away from their offense. Have you done anything? Have you thought about that? Are you doing anything to make sure that you focusing so much on first base doesn't take anything away from what you do at the plate? No, no, definitely not. I mean – um, you know, when I got drafted out of college and I was a center fielder and then uh, got to pretty much, uh, you know, relearn how to play second base, you know, not only at you know, a lower level, but, you know, at a professional level. So, you know, learn fairly quickly, uh, get adjusted pretty quickly, and um, it's kind of just been taking the same approach. You know, having, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of work, you know, I have a first base to spring training, uh, but, you know, just putting in, you know, my doing my routine, you know, in the cages, on the field, um, getting in my swings, understanding you know what it takes for me to to get to the position um, where I want to be in one spring uh, spring ends and season starts. So um, no, I mean I think right now it's it's pretty pretty much been kind of the same you know, how it's been in the in the past past springs, uh, past off season of um, not really uh, emphasizing both you know offensively and defensively. You know, Coming off a year without fans, and now there's been some fans at spring training, it appears there's going to be fans when the season gets started. Are you able to reflect and look back at next last year and kind of evaluate the impact that not having fans had on not just you, but really the entire club? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think every player has. Um, no, we definitely take it for granted. And, uh, you know, I, I told a lot of people this offseason because, you know, that was obviously the, the hot question, the hot topic. You know, how was it playing with no fans? And um, I always say, you know, it's it's different. It's weird. Um, obviously, the game's the same. Uh, I think about the game changes, but you know, it definitely kind of takes away home field advantage. It takes away, um, you know, when you're winning a ball game and uh, you know your fans are getting extra loud to you know put pressure on the other team, or vice versa. You know, when you're losing in a ball game and um, you know you're trying to rally, they're the ones you know trying to to get you pumped up as well. So. Um, we definitely miss the fans. You know, we're happy to, to see fans right now in Arizona. And, 
Um, we're hearing that there's going to be fans in, in Milwaukee, so um, that's always something fun to, to play towards and uh, you get back to normal. And I, it, it was definitely the first game. You know, it was, it was cool to see fans in the stand, and it was kind of like nothing ever uh, changed. So, um, man, I, we're really excited to, to see all of them out there, and um, I know they're excited too. I know COVID protocols are, are still in place and you guys can't let down. Craig Council mentions that all the time. The moment you let down, that's when something happens. But it does, there are some fans. It just seems like things are a little bit more normal. Does it feel that way to you guys that there is some level of normalcy right now? Oh, definitely. definitely. I mean, we've operated um, as if everything was normal. Uh, obviously, you know, you have to wear your mask inside um, when you're not on the field, you know, in the dugouts and stuff. Um, so pretty much a lot of the same protocols as last year. Uh, but no, I mean, regarding, you know, we started spring on time, which is a good thing. Uh, we're getting a full spring schedule in, uh, so far. And, um, you know, it feels as normal as it possibly can be right now. Obviously, um, hopefully things will kind of open up a little bit more, uh, have a little bit more freedom, uh, you know, away from the field or, um, you know, inside the clubhouse and stuff. But, uh, you know, definitely the, the most important part is, you know, staying healthy, being on the field, um, you know, obviously that gives you the best chance for your team to win. So uh, we, we're all taking it pretty seriously. Um, you know, we're all really happy that, you know, last year, you know, none of us really got affected by it during the season and didn't have to miss any games or reschedule any games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want, you know, one person to get it because next time one person gets it, you know, another person gets it, another person gets it. So um, we definitely got to pay attention to that. And, uh, but, yeah, no, it's been, it's been as normal. Uh, yeah, as it can be, and you know we really enjoy that. Really appreciate your time. Uh, have a great rest of spring, and we look forward to seeing you here in Milwaukee in just a few weeks. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Brewers first baseman Keston Hira joining us here uh, on the program. Infield going to look different. Hira at first, Colton Wong at second. You would think Orlando Arcia is going to get most of the time uh, at shortstop. Luis Urias is in there as well. He's a little bit banged up right now. He has yet to completely prove to be the guy that the Brewers thought they were getting when they acquired him. Right now, Travis Shaw certainly is being given every opportunity to be the guy at third. There's other players on the roster who are being given opportunities as well. Paul and Greenfield texting in. If you got any questions, we'll... Uh, we'll Sprinkle these in as we go through the course of the program. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line available, 855-616-1620. Paul in Greenfield says, Jed Jerko is still available. What are the pros and cons of signing him? We saw what he could do last year. He's a he's a valuable player because he can play so many positions. Uh, before the Brewers had signed Travis Shaw, after, after they came up seemingly in second place for Justin Turner, before they signed Travis Shaw, it still seemed like Jerko had a fit on this team. Right now, I don't think Jerko has a fit on this team the way it is right now. Now, if the Brewers get to that opt-out and they haven't seen enough from Travis Shaw or if something else unexpected happens, maybe that's something that can they can revisit. But as the roster sits right now and who they have available, I don't think he is a fit at this moment. But I didn't. Jackie Bradley Jr. wasn't technically a fit uh, because the Brewers didn't have a need for another starting outfitter, and they signed him. So I've learned with this club never to put anything past them because they can make it, any move that they feel makes the team better. They they'll attempt to make, and they'll figure out positional fit and playing time and everything else that goes along with it. They can figure that out at a later time. 
One of the most entertaining members of the team and also one of the most valuable members of the team is Brent Suter, a guy who can do just about everything for you on the mound. He can start long relief. He can get uh, big high leverage outs when you need him and somebody who is also very good at keeping things loose. He joins us coming up in just a moment. Our Brewers Spring Training Special will be back before our big league chew loses its flavor. I shouldn't take too long. This is the Brewers Spring Training Special. Play ball. When you talk about valuable members of a team, it's tough to find guys that are more valuable than Brent Suter and everything that he is able to do on the field with his performance, but also for what he can do to keep a club light and just kind of bring that energy. Last year it was fun. When when it felt like the team needed to find energy with no fans in the stands, he was the guy who was re- really leading the way out in uh, the bullpen, somebody who's always uh, fun to talk to. So let's do just that. Let's bring Brewers pitcher Brent Suter onto uh, the program. Brent, thanks so much for taking this time with us. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How you doing? I am good. Um, spring training this year, There's, it's not normal. We're still in a pandemic, but it's it's more normal than uh, what maybe last season was, at least uh, in terms of having some fans in the stands and things like that. Is it nice to at least get some level of normalcy back to things in baseball? It really is. Uh, yeah, Being able to have just a normal length spring training, like you said, have fans in the stands, have uh, get back to our facility and kind of get that routine again, like a full season has, has been tremendous. It's like a breath of fresh air. It really is. So, uh, yeah, very excited for the start of the season. Very excited for the group of guys we have. Uh, got, got a lot of excitement, a lot of good energy going in our club, in our club right now. So, uh, yeah, we're pumped. I don't know if it's talked about enough. Last year, especially for pitchers, the start-stop nature of starting spring training, ending it, coming back for, for summer camp, and then getting the season going. As a baseball player, there is the routine to your to your 12-month year. What was it like for you trying to navigate your body through a year that was completely different? Um, it was strange for everybody, um, all the way from players to medical staff, strength staff, uh, front office. So everyone kind of had to adjust on the fly and learn a lot about themselves in the process. So it was, uh, it was a little crazy. Uh, I'd say uh, we overall handle it really well, though, physically, uh, especially from like pitching sample, like you said. Uh, starts off nature for pitchers is really tough, but we had a lot of guys show up to summer camp that were in good shape, uh, had been throwing, throwing to hitters. Uh, so we had, we had a lot of good uh, kind of preparation for that moment, which was good. Um, and we, you know, pitching wise, we had a we had a good season to show for it. Um, but we we can still get better, and I think we're going to get continue to get better this year. Something that's been talked about a lot, just the going from playing sixty games to playing one hundred and sixty two games, and the the ask on pitchers where the innings pitched and the number of pitches thrown is going to go uh, way way up. Does that maybe make a guy like you that much more valuable? Because if somebody's got to be skipped in uh, the rotation or if somebody's going to be given a pitch count one day, uh, you're there to either make a start or know that you're going to have a, a long relief outing. Just Do you think you're even more valuable in a year like this? Um, I, I hope so. <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to be a, a good a good asset for the team, for the pickup guys. Uh, like you said, not everyone's probably going to be able to make those 32, 33 starts just given the workload um, increase. So, 
you know, if I can be there to pick a guy up starting or, you know, pick up a reliever in there, uh, that's my job and that's what I like to do. So, um, I'm hoping I can, I can do that and do that well. So, uh, yeah, that's the goal. Be, uh, be one of those guys to help be, be a good teammate, be, be good, uh, good help for accounts and all the front office and all the coaches. What about for you? I mean, are you at all concerned or maybe cognizant would be the better word just in terms of what you're going to be able to do also being somebody who's going to be asked to clearly throw more innings this year than you did last year? Um, you know, I, uh, I'm i not uh, too concerned about that given that I think my delivery and my, my arm strength and just my mobility is in a really good place. Um, and I've worked really hard to just prepare myself to have a have a healthy season. I mean, obviously, baseball is crazy and things can happen, but uh, I, I'm i not overly concerned with uh, in terms of the excess workload. You know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older now, but I'm still in the kind of like the quote-unquote prime years of being able to have uh, a healthy arm or a strong you know, arm combined with a mobile body. So uh, I feel me and a bunch of other guys on the team are in, are in a good spot to have a, uh, an increase in workload and, and be all the better for it. Can you speak to the pride level just from a pitching staff all the way around, starters and relievers? A lot is made uh, of the guys in the bullpen, but you also look at the, the starting staff. And from top to bottom, this has the potential to be one of the best group of pitchers uh, in the National League. Do you guys view it that way, and is it something to be proud of? Yeah, we do. Uh, we view ourselves as a really good staff, uh, a team, a pitching staff that has the ability to go out and give the team a chance to win every day. Um, like you said, the depth, uh, the different kind of arm angles, different speeds, different really uh, skills skills that we have in our bullpen and our starting rotation are very unique, and I, I think it presents a big-time challenge for hitters to prepare for. Uh, and we want to go out. We want to be aggressive, uh, and we want to dominate. You know, I mean, our goal is to go out there and dominate uh, and give, give our team every every chance in the world to win games. So. Uh, yeah, we're we're a confident group, um, and I, I wouldn't say we're overconfident. We're we're hungry and we're humble at the same time, but we are uh, we're a confident group, and we we really uh, believe in ourselves. You've got a big personality, and people see stuff on social media. And you know, last year you were the one kind of leading the way in the bullpen of trying to create energy. And there's uh, there's the stuff you do in the dugout sometimes before games. You you get on locane a little bit on on occasion, like <laughs> just all that stuff. How important do you? Do you feel being you and being able to be that way, the, just kind of the role of doing that in, in a leadership kind of way, if that makes sense? How important is that? Uh, yeah, let's call me the team mascot. <laughs> but uh, it, it's something I, I it's my uh, I like to do. I like to bring energy. I like to uh, try to make the last, keep everything uh, as loose as possible because uh, this game can tighten you up and it can eat at you big time, especially over 162 games. Uh, Roller coaster nature. I mean, we had a roller coaster crazy season last year, and it was sixty games. So, um, you know, it's just it's it's crazy season. You just gotta try to stay, you know, hopeful, happy, optimistic, and uh, and hungry, hungry to do your job that day. So, yeah, I I, I see it as uh, a role on my team is to bring energy um, and bring positive attitude. You got some time to make up for with uh, Locaine opting out last season, right? <laughs> I know I didn't really have anyone to sing to as much, but we. Uh, we had a good kind of uh, meeting in the bullpen about midway through the season where we just said, hey, let's start bringing a little bit more energy because uh, you could feel the cra- just the lack of crowd was getting to everybody in baseball, and uh, we wanted just a little more juice, so we uh, decided to bang on some dummies out there <laughs> on the uh, 
and some trash cans and stuff out in the, the bullpen, and it brought a little bit more energy. And uh, sometimes a little bit goes a long way, but uh, just trying to trying to sing the low can again as soon as possible. <laughs> Where it's, uh, it's going to be fun. It's great to have him back. Miss my crazy. Well, Brent, uh, really appreciate you taking a little bit of time with us. Have a great rest of spring, and uh, we'll see you in Milwaukee in a few weeks. Sounds great. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one. Brent Sutter joining us here on our Brewers Spring Training Special. We can all wait. We can all wait for the Brewers' social media videos of it being before the game, and Brent's got that weird drum set up, and he's making up songs about Lorenzo Cain, and Lo Cain is just looking at him, with his head in his hands every once in a while, just looking over and just shaking his head and going back. We can all wait for that moment. That is some of the – it's gold. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold that, uh, that, that you've got that all the time. And it's part of – I'm not trying to overstate this, but I'm going to say it, and I think there's impact. I can tell you I, – I talk to a lot of Brewers players – on Brewers Weekly, generally when the team signs guys, we try to get them on right away. I'm telling you, over and over and over, when these guys come into the organization, I ask, hey, when you were over in that other dugout watching the Brewers, or when you were watching the Brewers on TV when they were making their run to the NLCS a couple of years ago, what stood out? And guy after guy after guy will tell me, Man, it looks like those guys have fun. It really looks like they have fun, and it makes you want to be a part of it. Milwaukee, to a certain extent, has become a destination location in Major League Baseball for a few reasons. Now, guys aren't just going to go leave a ton of money on the table and say, oh, I, just, I want to play in Milwaukee this bad. I'm a free agent. I'm going to take 30% of what I could make somewhere else just to go be part of this. But there's something to be said for what everybody's doing. And Brent Suter's a big part of that in the environment and the culture. I've said this over and over and over. I think from an impactful standpoint, one of the areas that Craig Council has one of the biggest impacts on this team is setting a culture in which guys can walk into that clubhouse for the first time and they just get, they just get to be who they are. Their personalities. They can, they can just let them hang out. It's not a, okay, I'm in a major league clubhouse, I have to act a certain way. Now, there's a certain level of professionalism. Obviously, there's lines you don't cross. But being able to be who you are, it's a big part of the culture, and I think it's a big part of why this team has always been really close. And over a 162-game season, that can, that can impact things in a win, from a win-loss standpoint. I really believe that it can. All right, one more hour to go. we got a lot of folks that are still coming up. We're back with more in just a moment. The pitch clock has begun. Wait, do they even enforce that? More Brewer Spring Training Special coming up. 